0: When I was younger, I used to find different families to babysit for through Craigslist. My parents helped me set up my own posting, and once I got the hang of it myself, I was able to search for postings from others looking for sitters. I was actually very successful in doing this for quite some time. I also loved it. For the most part, the kids were great, minimal issues, and... If I didn't care for a kid because they were just rude and uncontrollable, my parents made an excuse for me to not have to do it anymore. However, this one family I sat for was worse than just having ornery or mean kids. They actually creeped me out. I believe that this was back in about 2008. I had my own car at this point, and the family only lived about 30 miles from me. When I got there... The mom and the dad introduced me to their kids. They were twin boys that were about nine. We'll call them Dylan and Dalton. They looked very nice and well-mannered at first. They were the typical twins type where the parents dressed them the same. I remember when I first met them, they had on jeans and matching red and blue shirts. It was a Sunday, and the mom said they had just gotten back from church so they could change their clothes if they wanted to. They gave a few rules, like they were allowed one snack since they were just finishing lunch at the time that I had gotten there, and they were not allowed to play out front since they didn't have a fence around the front yard. Other than some normal things like that, it seemed like they were pretty laid back. They said that they would be gone for a few hours, and they headed out. That first time was fine. A lot of getting to know each other, it seemed, They asked me what school I went to, and they told me about their school and favorite subjects. They shared things about themselves, as well as embarrassing things about each other. It was funny, and all in all, quite a normal visit. It wasn't until the second time that they started getting more comfortable with me, I guess. This time, I went over around four o'clock. They hadn't had dinner yet, but the mom told me they had ordered pizza and gave me the cash to pay for it, and that they would be back later, around 9 or 10 p.m. After they left, the boys came and watched TV with me until the pizza arrived. While we were eating, Dylan looked up and just gave some random creepy facts, like, ''Did you know Gacy killed X amount of boys before he was caught?'' I learned they knew a lot about serial killers. I didn't know how to respond, so as I do when kids tell me weird stuff, I just went, Oh, uh, that's crazy. And then continued to eat my pizza. That's when Dalton made some comment about how stupid he was for doing it. I tried saying something like, Some people are just sick, and it's hard to understand, I'm sure. But then he specified that, He shouldn't have kept them in his own house. That's what got him caught. That one I didn't know how to respond to, so I just stared at him and they started laughing. So I laughed too and said, yeah, people can really do some unthinkable things. Again, they knew a lot about serial killers. I got random facts like that on a regular basis when I went over there, and they even liked to play a pretend game called Killer. They had me play it too, but it was like hide-and-seek, but if you were it, you were the killer, and if you were found, you were killed. They typically made a slashing motion, like with a knife, and it would act like they were stabbing and slicing you. When they found the other, they would just be laughing hysterically. I didn't find out what this game actually was until I was playing it, because they just said it was hide and seek. I wasn't comfortable playing it after the first time, and I told them that they shouldn't do that either. They actually seemed confused as to why, saying, it's not like we're really killing you, all with this creepy smile on their face. I just tried explaining that it could scare people, so it's best to just play normal hide and seek. That didn't stop them from doing other creepy things, though. I continued to get creepy facts about killers, death, and other grim things. They also tried to watch scary movies or documentaries on crimes, but I didn't allow it because of their age. There was one time I went over there and they were in the middle of watching one of the child's play movies, so I played it off when the parents were there and said, Oh, is it okay if they watch those movies? And their response was like, why wouldn't they? As they told me, yeah, they're just not allowed to watch anything with nudity. Makes sense. So, since that was confirmed, they seemed to take advantage of it and watched some of the weirdest movies while I was there. Even if they were watching something a normal nine-year-old would watch, they would change it as soon as their parents left. I liked scary movies myself, so I was okay with watching it, but their demeanor was more unsettling. Celebrating when someone died or making fun of them for a choice that they made. One of the last straws for me was when I was doing some homework and they had been in their room playing. I felt like I was being watched, so I looked behind me, where the hall was to their bedroom, and I saw one of them standing there. I asked them if there was something wrong, and while smiling, they just said, I bet I could have tied you up just now. I just didn't have any rope. And then went back to their room. Nope. I was no longer comfortable being alone with them. Some of the stuff they did was definitely odd for their age, but still being young myself, who was I to judge someone's parenting? so I never brought it up to their parents. But that time, I did. I told them that night what they had said to me, and about their weird killer game, and they basically laughed it off, saying, "Eh, boys will be boys. They also said that they mean no harm, or would never actually do anything to me, and talked about how they are still easier to raise than girls. So, With their parents being uncaring, I thought maybe I was overreacting. I actually only had sisters, so I didn't know what boys were like at home. What I did do, though, was the next time my baby sat, I made sure I wasn't alone. After asking the boys' parents, they said they were okay with me bringing a friend over, girls only, but they wouldn't be paying for both of us so I just split the money with said friend. So the first time we were over there, after the parents left, one of them said, Oh, a second victim, and started laughing. While we ate dinner, they asked her all the same questions they asked me the first time, and then went to their room to play. Once they were out of sight, I was talking to my friend who agreed that they seemed a little weird, but she hadn't really experienced it to the fullest. Until later that night, I hadn't noticed that one of them went to the restroom, and the other had called me into their room. I went into their room to see Dylan standing on the bed, and he asked me to come closer, waving for me hurriedly. I approached him quickly, thinking he needed to tell me something, or maybe something was wrong. Once I got close enough... He was able to look over my head and said, "'It'd be much easier to throw a bag over your head when I'm this tall.'" Freaked out, I told him that was not a nice thing to say, nor should he even think about those things, and he just looked confused as to why I would say that. I just left the room and went back to the living room to see Dalton acting something out in front of my friend, and she just looked shocked. I walked in on him explaining something about dirt, and when I asked what was going on, he stopped and said nothing and then walked away, back into their room. Afterwards, I asked my friend what he was talking about, and she said that Dalton had been explaining why dumping a body in the water was better than burying it. She finally understood what I meant by them being creepy, I like my fair share of scary movies and crime documentaries, but I don't remember being interested or retaining knowledge like they did at that age. My friend said that she would not go back with me, and suggested that I didn't go back either. I ended up telling my parents a little more about the things they said and did, and they were disappointed that I didn't tell them sooner. They agreed that it was also not appropriate behavior for kids their age, and said that they didn't want me over there anymore. They actually called their mom and explained everything, and she still didn't see anything wrong with it. She said that she thought I did great with her boys and even offered to pay double if I watched them a few more times. It was hard to pass up, thinking I could just buck up and get the money, but my parents refused. I was 17 and still living with them, so what they say goes, and I didn't go back. Every once in a while, I try to look them up to see if they ever acted out on their little games, but I never did find anything. I hope that they were just really weird kids and grew out of it, but it did sure scare the hell out of me and my friends. Back when I was a very young kid in elementary school, we actually had a full school lockdown that I can remember. And I remember that it was really scary and confusing when we were locked down, because we were all little kids and had no idea what was going on. I was either in 5th or 6th grade at the time, because it was definitely near the end of me being in elementary school. To start the story, I will mention that I grew up in a rather poor area of my town, and the school that I attended was definitely not in the best location either. At the time that this took place, it was essentially the start of gang activity in my town. I know that sounds weird, but it was pretty much a situation where people were starting to create gangs or starting to create their own sect of existing gangs. It's kind of hard to explain, honestly. It's like there were no gangs in the area, and then one day there were. Anyways, on the day that this happened, things felt rather normal. My grade was outside at recess, and I was actually playing kickball with a group of friends— About halfway through recess, I remember seeing a group of guys that were walking down the street towards the corner where the school was, but not necessarily near or to the school, just on the same street. I thought nothing of it. They were just people to me, and I was like 11 or 12, so I didn't really care. I remember that I was up to kick— And I kicked the ball for a double, and as soon as I started running to the base, I heard a loud pop. And then the teacher blowing the whistle really loud and waving frantically for everyone to get inside. Obviously, I was upset. I finally get a good kick in, and then recess had to end. But something was off about this. We were all walking inside to the building... But the teachers had that weird sense of urgency when they were ushering us in. They were telling us to go faster, telling us to get into the rooms right away, and as soon as we were in, the teacher started taking attendance really quickly and locked the doors. Well, come to find out, we ended up on a full blown lockdown. We were all pulled out of our desks and sat behind the teacher's desk while she went on with the lesson. I remember feeling really weird being told to sit on the floor in the back while we did math, but it was definitely their way of keeping us all collected and away from doors and windows. The overall story was that it was actually a gang shooting. Those guys were meeting up with another group to fight it out for the territory or something, and one of them pulled out a gun, which led to a small firefight. That loud pop was one of the first shots, but definitely not the only shot. While we were sitting there on the floor doing multiplication, they were shooting at each other on the corner until the cops got there, and by then two of them had actually been hit and killed. As a kid, I remember just being told that there was a fight outside, and that's why they had us all come in. But... I learned that it was actually a shootout when I was an adult, and my mom accidentally told me about the two guys that were killed outside of my school. This was the only time I ever had to go into a lockdown, thankfully, and while the town I grew up in hasn't really improved, the gangs at least stay away from the schools now. When I was in high school, I used to be in a number of clubs and after-school things, including band. Because of this, I would typically be at the school until around 6 or 7 every night, unless there was a band recital going on, in which case I could sometimes be there until 10. I was the teacher's assistant, read as errand boy, for the band instructor, So, every night that we had band practice or recital, or even a concert, I was the one that was designated to reorganize the back room and the classroom to make sure that everything was where it needed to be. I didn't really mind it. It was just a lot of work for me to do alone, especially cleaning up the back recital room, because I had to stack all the chairs and put away all the music stands into the side closet and there was something like 50 of us in the school band. Most nights were fine, but there were a few times where I would swear that there was someone else in the back room with me. I would be putting things away, and I would hear a chair move across the floor, which I'm sure most of you know that screech sound that it makes when metal scrapes across tile. I could hear it while I was stacking the chairs, and I would look over but no one would ever be there. There was one night where I put all the stands away in the closet and shut the door, which was actually difficult. The door to the closet had an exterior latch, because it was one of those doors where, if you didn't hook the latch, it would swing open. I don't know if the school tilted or shifted or what, but they installed that exterior latch to hold it shut. I put all the stands away and I started stacking the chairs, and I heard the slow creaking sound of the closet door slowly swing open. As soon as I looked over at the cabinet, the door slammed shut, like someone was standing there and threw it shut as hard as they could. When I finally got the courage to go check it out, I noticed that it was staying shut without the latch. It didn't last long, though, I opened it and reshut it, and it immediately went back to slowly swinging open. The creepiest event was actually in my senior year, when I was pretty much done with everything. I would spend a lot of my evenings in the band room studying because I didn't really have much else to do, and it was kind of like my comfort zone after having spent four years in it. I was sitting there one night... And I started hearing footsteps in the back room. At first, I thought it was the instructor, but after he didn't walk out, I went to go check to see if he needed help with anything. I opened the door, and to my surprise, the instructor wasn't there. But I swear I saw what looked like a person around my age sitting in one of the chairs in the back row. Like, I seriously saw a person around 17, dressed in jeans and a plain t-shirt, with long black hair just sitting in one of the chairs. I did one of those blinking double takes, and she was gone. I don't know who she was, and I don't think anyone has died in the school, and I don't really see any reason as to why it would be haunted by someone that looked like a student, but then it kind of clicked that she was likely the spirit that liked to play tricks on me. That was the only time that I ever saw her, and it was actually the last time I had any sort of paranormal experiences there. The last two to three weeks were kind of boring. I was almost hoping to see her one last time before I left, but it didn't happen. I don't know if it was the spirit of someone that had passed away a long time ago, Or why she was connected to the school, but I never really felt like she was malicious in her intent. The things that happened were creepy, sure, but it almost felt like she was playing a prank on me. And she kind of looked like the type to do it, which sounds kind of weird when you're describing a spirit. Anyways, that's my story of when I was in high school and was scared several times by a spirit. I do hope that she found peace eventually, or if she just never wanted to leave, then I hope that her spirit was at least comfortable in the band room. I used to babysit and do light housework for this family for many years. They had one kid named Jacob, and at the time, he was probably around eight, I believe. I started watching him about a year earlier, so I had gotten to know him and his family pretty well. Jacob was your average little boy, nothing weird about him, and he was very soft-spoken and well-mannered. He was obsessed with Spongebob at the time, so we watched a lot of that, but... That was probably the worst it ever got with him. I was already out of high school at this point, so there were times that I watched him last minute when there was an emergency, or something they had to do quickly. So when they called me asking if I could watch him the following day unexpectedly, I didn't hesitate. I didn't have anything to do that day as I was on summer break from my college courses, so at least I could make some extra money. When I got there, Jacob's mom, Anna, explained that she had to take her aunt Barb to the hospital for surgery. I don't remember what the surgery was, but it wasn't major. It had something to do with a vein in her leg, I believe, or something similar. Anna was planning to just take Jacob with her, but as kids do, he became a bit upset at the thought of having to sit quietly at a hospital with very little to do. So she asked if I could watch him. I had to be there around 10 in the morning because her surgery was going to be around noon and they wanted to get there earlier for check-in and paperwork. When I arrived, Anna and Barb were both there as she went ahead and stayed the night there. I'd met Barb before and she was a very sweet lady and seemed to be fairly close to Jacob as well. He was sitting next to her when I got there and he was reading a book to her, Anna told me a few of the things and asked me to bring the clothes up from the laundry room. I gave well wishes to the two ladies and they were off, leaving us to our day. The day started out fine. I got the laundry out and even folded and put it away. I even helped him put together a little Lego set. Overall, it was a normal day there. Anna said that she expected to be home a little before visiting hours were over, so she could still come home and make dinner, and said that she would call when she was out of surgery to check in on us. I was expecting to be there until around 6, so I was thinking it would be a laid-back day of watching movies and playing around on my laptop. Jacob played in his room some, and then came into the living room and watched TV with me for a while. It was probably around 2, we'd already had lunch and we went back to watching a movie, but then out of nowhere, Jacob started whimpering. I looked over at him, thinking maybe he was holding back from laughing because of the movie, but he looked visibly distraught. I asked him if he was okay, and he didn't respond, so I put my hand on his shoulder to get his attention, and that's when he started bawling. The crying was just non stop, and I had no idea what was wrong. I tried to calm him the best that I could and tell him everything was okay, and try to find out what was going on. When he did finally stop to breathe, he said very softly, Barbie's dead. I didn't think I quite heard him, so I asked him again, and he said, Aunt Barbie died. He called his great-aunt Barbie, and knowing that she just went in for something simple, I tried to assure him that she was okay, and that he would probably see her soon, thinking that Anna might take him up there tomorrow or something. He looked so sad for a little boy, like nothing I've ever seen on a kid before. I was almost choking up myself, but I held it together. I thought for him, but... He put his hand on my cheek and smiled, saying, It's okay. She's not in pain anymore. I was pretty confused at this point, and I didn't know what else to say, so I just watched as he sat back down on the couch, let out a big sigh, and continued to watch the movie. I didn't know how to feel about all this, so I just sat there looking over at him every once in a while and saw him smiling and giggling. I thought that maybe it was just some weird thing he decided to do. Maybe he overheard them talking about her surgery and was scared, not really knowing what it was, so I just let it be. And I thought I would just tell Anna and her husband, Tom, about it when they got home. It had been a few more hours and a few snacks later that I realized that Anna hadn't even called me to give me an update. But... I just thought that maybe she had forgotten, and would call when she got the chance. It was more for her to check in on us, so I wasn't really worried. But when it hit 5pm and still no word from her, I thought I would call her at least and leave a message saying everything was okay. Which I did, since she didn't answer. I also called Tom since I knew that he got off around 7 to give an update as a sly way of calling to see if everything was okay. Soon after, I got a call back from Tom, and he seemed a little disheveled in his conversation when asking how Jacob was. As mentioned, I got to know this family pretty well. So I asked if there was something wrong, and he said that Barb had had some complications and surgery, delaying Anna from coming home. He then asked if I was willing to possibly stay the night, or at least later, and that they would pay more and also offered to pay for dinner. Of course I agreed. I gave him well wishes, and then we waited for dinner to arrive. It was probably around nine or so. Jacob had fallen asleep on the floor in his room playing when Tom finally came home, He apologized for making me stay so late, but then told me that Barb had actually died during the surgery. I was shocked at first, knowing it wasn't supposed to be life-threatening, but she had complications with the anesthesia and stopped breathing. It's not something that happened often, I guess, but it was still a risk, and sadly a life was lost. That's when I remembered Jacob's little episode he'd had, and I told Tom about it. I told him about the time and how it was like a switch and the tears started falling, and he claimed that she had passed. He thought it was really strange too, and confirmed that they never mentioned that she could die from the surgery or anything like that, so he had no idea where he would have come up with the idea. Other than that though, he didn't really have much more to say about it, and he thanked me for my time. He tried to pay me double, but it didn't feel right, so I didn't accept it. He told me that Anna had gone to be with her cousin, so she wasn't going to be home that night. I actually talked to Anna about it many months later, not wanting to bring it up too soon, and it seemed to touch her a bit. She said that Barb was like another mother to Jacob, and it feels like their bond was just that strong that she had reached him after she passed, and let him know that she was okay. It still gives me chills thinking about it to this day. Jacob is almost 17 now, and he has no memory of that day, but he does remember Barb vividly, and says that he felt like he already knew she was gone when his parents finally explained to him what happened. Either way, It was quite the experience for a babysitter. So, this may not be creepy to some, but I certainly thought it was. Or at the very least unsettling, considering it was a child. I started watching this little girl, Bailey, in about 2002... I'd been babysitting for a few years at that time, and my parents made for a great free walking advertisement. Bailey was actually my mom's boss's daughter. She was okay for the most part. I would say she was probably your typical only child that got anything that she wanted. And She was definitely spoiled. They didn't really have any rules on things she wasn't allowed to have or do... The only real rule was that, if I was watching late, she had to be in bed by 9. Even though she was very much aware of this rule, she always gave me grief about it. She would whine, beg, or delay as much as possible, like spending way too long washing her hands to avoid bed. Otherwise, if she got in trouble or told no, she tried throwing tantrums. I grew up with some pretty tough grandparents, and they did not tolerate that kind of thing, so I pride myself on being able to stop the kids that I babysat from doing the same. It worked on her for the most part, when she realized that it wouldn't change my answer. I would assume it typically worked on her parents. There were a few times that she would get pretty angry and try to hit or kick me, and I made sure to let her know that that was never okay, so she would be sent to her room until she calmed down. Since my mom knew her mom, I asked her beforehand as to what, if anything, I should tell her parents, and she agreed that I should tell them everything. Her behavior was not okay, and it was best to get it under control now while she was still so young. So, one time... When her dad got home, I told her what was going on. He reminded me of my own dad in the sense that he seemed like the enforcer, as opposed to the mom being the spoiler. He agreed that she was being aggressive, and tried doing the same to her mom, but never tried with him. And he promised that they were working on it. I felt like he was being honest, and pretty much left it at that. I know there were a few times that she seemed to get upset, but without me even saying anything, she would drop what she was doing and storm off to a room. She would then come out a short time later and continue doing what she had started. But then, she started getting creepy. In the living room, there was a corner that was her play area. It had some of her bigger setups like the play kitchen that had a sink an oven, and an overhead cabinet, as well as a small chest that had the kitchen stuff in it and some of her toys. I was reading a book while the TV was playing some show that she had turned on. She moved over to her toys and would go back and forth between watching and playing. She had some kind of doll that she was pretending like she was talking to and making food for on the stove. I would look up on occasion just to see what she was doing, but otherwise I let her do her thing. But then, I could hear her whispering, but it was fast, like she was really trying to get her point across. I figured she was still just playing around, so I didn't look up from my book and just listened. She would then sigh and whisper something else that I couldn't make out. I couldn't help but look up when I started hearing a thudding sound, and all I saw was her smashing this doll's head into the cabinet door. I watched this play out for a few seconds, and a few head smashes, when I finally tried to get her attention by saying, Bailey, what are you doing? And her only response was, She's getting punished. I, again just watched until she finally stopped. She threw the doll in the little play oven, and then slammed it shut. Only a little alarmed, I asked her why she did that. And she told me that she made her mad because she wouldn't get into the car. She had like a little Barbie car that she was trying to put it into, but it was too big. That was a bit aggressive for her, so... I told her that what she was doing was pretty mean, and that's not something she should think about doing when she gets angry. She then looked at me confused, saying, Daddy said this was okay, because they're not real. That was pretty scary to me. I understand trying to offer alternatives to hitting or kicking people, but I don't feel like this was a good solution. So, I tried myself. I said it was okay to be frustrated or angry, but that being violent was never a good way to release the anger. While I was talking to her, she interrupted me, saying with a smile, but it's okay to kill my dolls, because they're not real and they can't scream and get me in trouble. I didn't even know how to respond. I guess her dad wasn't as assertive as I thought he was. I swear... I felt like a parent that day trying to explain to this child as to why what she was doing was not okay, real or fake. She did love to color, and she liked to set things up like poses and color it. She once had a stuffed animal sitting on the floor holding something, and she drew and colored it. It still looked like a young kid did it, but you could make out what it was supposed to be, I thought since she was so passionate about it that I told her to try to use that as a way to relieve stress instead of being so violent. She seemed confused at first, as kids do, but then started to like the idea. I tried being a little silly about it and drew an angry rabbit, so she started to draw more. I didn't know what to do with this, though, because it seemed like her dad knew about it. I didn't feel like the violence was okay by any means though, so again, I told my mom about it and she agreed that they should at least know what happened. She said that she would talk to her boss about it because she was pretty cool with her, and I remember kind of joking with her dad about it when I brought it up. I continued to watch her, and she had a few more outbursts, but I would always give her that look and she would storm off to her room and start coloring aggressively. I don't know if she did it all the time when I wasn't there, but I hope they kept up with it, or something better than violence. Her dad said he was working on the outbursts with her, but never really specified how. I stopped watching her after a year or so, when I moved out of state, but I've wondered how she is mentally. It's people like that that I hope grow out of that kind of thing, but... It's still kind of creepy to think about what it could turn into. When I was a freshman in high school, I was a bit of a troublemaker. I used to be the kid that would talk crap to the teacher, and then when they would try to send me out of the room, I would take that as an opportunity to go do whatever I wanted. I also skipped a lot of school, and was basically told that I had to go to summer school or else I was going to be held back. Being the kid I was, with a home life and parents that obviously weren't doing much to change the situation, I actually failed summer school. I was given a final ultimatum at that point. I was basically told that I was going to be expelled Unless I attended what was essentially an alternative school in the district. For some reason, despite me being a problem child and pretty much being told that I no longer had to attend school if I chose expulsion, I decided that I wanted to do the alternative school. I don't know why I chose it, but I did. That alternative school was something else. There were a lot of people there that had done a lot of questionable things, and I was actually scared of a few of the people that were in my core classes. Strangely enough, when I started attending the alternative school, I kind of started caring about my grades and I wanted to do better. I also started making a few friends, including one girl that I will call Dee. Dee was a year older than me, but she was a bit out there I don't know if she actually had a mental issue or if she was faking it but I will say that she acted very bipolar most of the time she was fine but she would randomly lash out and start screaming at people about things that made no sense for example there was one day during lunch where we were eating and she got up to the table walked to the table next to us and started screaming at this one kid because he had, in her words, looked at her like he wanted to F her. The dude had no idea what was going on, and she threatened to smash his face in. She was pretty clearly not someone to mess with, obviously, but she was way too aggressive to people that did not deserve it. Now... The situation that this story is about actually happened near the end of the year. It was in our geometry class, which was one of the classes that semester that I'd had with Dee. We were in the middle of a quiz when she stood up and asked the teacher why she didn't know any of the answers. He asked her to please sit back down, and if she needed help, we could talk about the questions that she was stuck on as a class. She then started yelling that she didn't want to talk about it, and that we never learned any of the stuff that was on the quiz, and that the teacher was just making fun of her for being stupid. By this point, everyone was just kind of sitting there staring at her and the teacher, and the teacher was doing his best to calm the situation, asking her to please sit down, asking her to tell him which question it was that she was struggling with, and then, finally, after a bit of back and forth, asking her to come with him out into the hallway. He started walking toward the door, and as soon as he got to the door, Dee literally punched him in the side of the head, like full weight of her body forward, smacking his face into the wall and knocking him down. She then started kicking him in the head and neck, For a few seconds, we all just sat there and watched it happen. But then, one of the kids in the back ran up and grabbed her, pulling her off of him, and yelled for someone to go get another teacher. Someone did, and thankfully this guy was able to hold Dee back and keep her pinned. They ended up calling an ambulance and the police. Dee was taken out of the school and subsequently expelled. The teacher was pretty badly messed up. One of her kicks to his head actually gave him an orbital socket fracture and cracked his jaw. Thankfully, that was the worst of it, and other than a lot of bruising, he was mostly okay. I have no idea what caused Dee to just snap like that, and it was super crazy to watch it all in real time. I do feel bad for the teacher as he was just trying really hard to keep things calm but she blew up in an instant. I never saw her again after that, but I assume she was probably charged and put in jail for a while because of the assault. If anyone else cares, I did finish high school. Of course, I was a year behind, but at least I got through it. Hey Raven, I have a super weird story from when I was a teenager and used to babysit this kid named Devin. This was back in the 80s, so some of the details may escape me, but I can remember the majority of what happened during the summer that I had to watch him pretty clearly. Some people out there may say it was nothing creepy or that it wasn't a big deal, but to me it was terrifying. And it's something that I still cannot explain, nor do I know if there really is an explanation, other than it's a weird thing that happened. Devin was an only child, and he was the son of one of my mother's co-workers, the co-worker that my mother used to carpool with, actually, which made things convenient. When Summer came around, she asked if I wanted to watch him for the months that he was off school and it was going to be in their house during the days, so I was all for it. Plus, she was going to pay me $50 a week, so that was a huge bonus for me, being 15 and all. I had met Devin once or twice, and what I knew about him was mostly positive. He seemed like a good kid when we had met, and I had no reservations against it at all. He was about 6 at the time, So he was decently self-sufficient at some things, but still needed help with other things, and obviously could not be left alone. Honestly, it wasn't even that big of a deal when I went to watch him, and the first week went great. It was the second week where things started getting weird. My mom dropped me off at the house, and I went in, and Devin was actually still asleep, which was a bit off. His mother told me that he had been up late, and to just go ahead and let him sleep. After about two hours, he finally got up and came down the stairs, and he stopped at the base of the stairs and just kind of stared at me. I asked him what was up and if he was okay, and he just stood there, wobbling and staring. It was kind of like he was still asleep while he was standing there but I don't think that he was sleepwalking. After a few minutes, he looked straight at me and said, I'm sorry. I wasn't sure what he meant, so I asked him what he was sorry for. He kept staring and then walked away to the kitchen and got his breakfast. I wasn't exactly sure what he was going on about or what he meant by it, so I just let it go. And that's when things got weird. That night, I had the weirdest nightmare. In the dream, I was at the house watching Devin, except he wasn't acting like himself. He was sitting on the couch and rocking back and forth aggressively, the whole while mumbling about how things were wrong. In the dream, I asked him if he was okay like I had that morning, and he attacked me. He jumped on me and started scratching at my face. I woke up in a cold sweat after that, kind of panicking, like, what the hell kind of nightmare was that? It would have been fine if it was a one-time thing, but I had this nightmare numerous times after that night. Watching Devin was always fine. He never did anything weird in real life, but then every single night, I would have one of those terrible nightmares where he would be this horrifying being. He would attack me, scratch at me, claw at my throat. In some of the dreams, he would actually try to murder me. He would swing at me with a knife, try to stab me, or choke me out. It got to the point where I was hardly sleeping because of how scared I was of having these dreams, and I was actually almost scared to see Devin. He was such a sweet and loving kid in real life, but... The nightmares were getting to the point that they were affecting how I was seeing him. I would be sitting on the couch and he would get up to get something, and the second he moved, I would jump, like I was actually scared of him running at me and attacking me. I had these nightmares every night the entire time that I watched him, and it really messed with my mental health. What made it even weirder was that the day that school started back up and I was done babysitting him, the nightmares stopped happening abruptly. I was horrified that I was going to keep having these dreams on school nights and that I was going to struggle with sleeping because of it. But it just didn't happen. I have no idea why I had these haunting dreams the whole time that I watched him, I have no idea what prompted my brain to create this really weird scenario, but they didn't start until that day that he came down and told me that he was sorry. It was almost as if he was apologizing to me for causing the dreams in advance. Some people will likely say that I was having dreams about him because I was seeing him every day, and that makes sense, but what doesn't make sense is the fact that they were such terrifying nightmares and that they started on that specific day. Nor does it make sense to me that I had the same type of nightmare every single night, and then for them to just stop happening when I was done watching him. I don't know if people will see this as something weird or potentially paranormal, or if they'll just say it was a dumb coincidence. But to me, it was scary and I thought it would be neat to share it with you and your audience, so thank you for reading. I have a creepy story that actually happened to me and a buddy back when we were sophomores in high school. This was after a few major events had happened, and our school was actually one that had a threat phoned into it at one point. And while they didn't follow through, nor was it credible, everyone that attended and worked at the school had a certain level of paranoia instilled in them. And while we weren't sitting around expecting a lockdown or something bad to happen, we all knew what to do if it did. Well, in my sophomore year, we actually had a lockdown that happened, and it was seriously terrifying. One of the reasons that it was so scary for me and my buddy Pete was because we were actually in the restroom when the sound came over the speaker for the lockdown. We had drills for lockdown in the school, and we had been given information on what we were supposed to do when they call the lockdown. But the problem is, the drills and information tell you to go to the nearest classroom. Like I had mentioned, Pete and I were actually in the restroom at the time, We were both in our stalls when, out of nowhere, we heard, The building is now on lockdown. All staff and students follow lockdown procedures. This is not a drill. I could hear Pete's breathing start to get heavier, and I'm pretty sure he was hitting panic attack levels when he heard the call-out. I whispered to him from my stall that he needed to stay calm and stay quiet. He said that we needed to get out of the bathroom and to get into a classroom but I told him that that wasn't a good idea, as it could be unsafe in the hallways. It did kind of dawn on me when I said that that the restroom was probably just as unsafe, but at least there was a door that blocked it. I mentioned to him that we should go sit by the door to stop it from opening, and he agreed. We both exited the stalls and went over to the door and just kind of sat there. Something about this whole situation was... Actually pretty creepy. Just sitting on the bathroom floor to block the door just in case an intruder were to enter the bathroom. The fact that there was an intruder in the first place. Something about the fact that someone was in the school that shouldn't be. And we had no idea if they had a weapon or a gun or something. It was the scariest thing I had ever had to deal with. There was one point that I had actually opened the door slightly to look out into the hallway so I could see if anything was going on. And I'm pretty sure that I saw the person that caused the lockdown. It wasn't some gun-toting maniac. It just kind of looked like a homeless guy. Obviously, he shouldn't have been in the school, but I did feel a little less scared with the whole thing, though I probably shouldn't have. A few moments after I had seen the man in the hallway, I started hearing what sounded like loud and angry screaming. I assumed it was the man in the hallway because he was screaming something incoherent, and when I say incoherent, I mean complete nonsense. I'm pretty sure he said something about the students there were trying to kill him, and that he needed to kill all of us first. Then I heard what sounded like banging on a door, and the continuation of his ramblings. This guy was pretty clearly insane. Not much longer after that, I heard police screaming to get on the ground, and then someone shouting taser. Obviously, they hit him with the taser to get him, and I could hear him continuing to scream as he was being zapped. I had to calm Pete down while this was happening, as he was a bit of a panicky kid. Which was fine. It was better that he and I ended up in the restroom at the same time, as he probably would have had a full-on panic attack without me there. About 20 minutes after the whole incident happened, there was another announcement stating that we would remain on lockdown until the officers had cleared all of the rooms. Then... About ten minutes later, an officer started to open the door and hit me with it. I think we actually scared him when we jumped up, because he started reaching for his weapon as it happened. We both shouted that we were both students, he came in and asked if it was just us, and then he peered in and told us to get out of the restroom and to get to class. We did. We went as quickly as we could to the classroom that we were supposed to be in and I will say that our teacher was not happy with the fact that we weren't in there when the lockdown was called. Based on what I had heard from some other students at the time, this guy was apparently some homeless dude that had lied to the receptionist about why he needed in to the school. He had told her that his son was in the nurse's office because he was sick, and there was, unfortunately, one student that was in with the nurse that was waiting to be picked up. I'm not sure how she could have believed him, as, like I said, he looked kind of scraggly and homeless. Anyways, he had apparently walked into the school, and instead of going towards the office, he started screaming his strange ramblings at the staff. And he did actually have a decent-sized knife on him. That was when they called the initial lockdown. Thankfully, it was just a knife, and thankfully we had all been prepared with what to do to some extent. And while Pete and I kind of dropped the ball, we were okay in the end. It may not sound as creepy to some people, but I think that being in that situation is what made it so terrifying. Just sitting there, unsure of what was going on or what was going to happen, and not knowing whether or not this was going to end in bloodshed. I'm glad it didn't, and I'm glad that I never had to deal with anything like that again, but it still scared the living hell out of both myself and Pete. When I was in middle school, we had a handful of elective classes that we could take that were pretty 101 level basic stuff. There was a computer and tech class, home ec, and then there was what was known as industrial arts, which was more or less a shop class. These weren't all of them, but these were the ones that I personally remember. My first year of junior high, I took the computers and tech class, and then the second year I decided that I wanted to see what shop class was all about. The class started out well enough. The teacher went over everything involved in the class and what he expected of us. He then went over all the machines and tools that we would use. He was very detailed and thorough when it came to explaining for each of the machines and how they worked. He even had a demonstration for the bandsaw. When it came time for him to explain how the bandsaw worked, he walked over to his office and grabbed a raw chicken leg. He then turned the saw on. It was a good demonstration, honestly. Watching the saw blade rip open the chicken leg and tear through the meat and bone definitely got the point across that this was not a toy. My point in all this is that he was a very safety-oriented teacher. He was excellent at showing what could go wrong, and he watched all of us like a hawk when we were working on our projects. When the event happened, we were actually in the second quarter of the class. We were on our third or fourth project, and I actually remember that we were supposed to be designing a small, wooden race car from a block of wood. We had some specific requirements that we had to use, like how much of the wood we could or couldn't cut off. Pretty basic stuff. One of the final parts of the project required us to drill two holes into the bottom for the axles. On the specific day that this happened, our teacher was actually out sick. However, his son was a substitute instructor for the district, so they called him in to take his place, which on paper sounds like a great idea. The problem with that is that his son was absolutely not as mindful of the fact that we were all dumb kids, and he was a lot more relaxed when it came to monitoring us. The problem with that is that we did have a couple of boys in the class that were absolute a-holes, and were just waiting for the moment to do something stupid for attention. The two of them were actually cousins that had grown up together, and in their early teenage years, they had made it a point to torment each other for fun. For the sake of the story, we're going to call them E and M. On this specific day, they were supposed to be drilling the holes into their cars, but E had the bright idea that he wanted to play chicken with the drill press. He bet M that he could put his hand on the drill's press and get the bit closer to his hand, before chickening out than he could. M, not to be made a fool of, accepted the bet, and the two of them set off on their stupidity-filled game. E placed his hand on the press plate and lowered the bit to just above his hand and held it there for several moments before lifting it back up and then laughing at M in a taunting manner. M, of course, said that he could do better, and he placed his hand on the drill press plate and slowly started lowering the bit down. This is where things went from stupid to medical emergency in record time. M was sitting there, lowering the bit close to his hand as slowly as he could, and was just focusing on the space between the quarter-inch bit and his palm. However, E decided that he wanted to... I don't know, be funny, I guess, and scare M by nudging the lowering mechanism and trying to get it to hit his hand and scare him. I'm really not 100% sure what his plan was in this situation, but when he hit the lowering mechanism, he hit it way too hard in a downward motion, and the drill bit ended up going straight into M's hand. The way I see it, This had to have been intentional, because it was almost like E had pushed the lowering handle down way harder than he should have, and the only way for a drill bit to go through like it did would have been with pressure. This, of course, caused M to freak out and push the lowering mechanism up, which lifted his hand to the top of the machine, which then caused him to try and pull his hand off, which made the whole thing worse. This whole time, M is screaming about the literal drill bit that had gone through his hand, front to back. At no point did E press the emergency stop button, or do anything to actually try and stop the machine. The teacher ended up running over to shut it off and asked what the hell had happened, and was screaming to someone in the room to go to the desk and call 911 and tell them that we needed an ambulance. The whole thing was incredibly disgusting. I'm not going to go into the detail of it here, but I do remember that it was a bloody mess. The drill bit had actually gone through the center of his hand, and he was losing a lot of blood. And the teacher was doing everything he could to keep M from passing out and losing too much. At the end of this whole thing, E ended up getting expelled. And obviously everyone in the school knew about what had happened he claimed it was an accident and that while they were playing chicken he didn't mean to hit the press we all knew it was a lie but m ended up vouching for him saying that it was an accident m actually ended up losing use of half of his left hand and was out of school for quite a while Apparently, where the bit had gone into the hand was a bad spot for it to do so, and it damaged a lot. He couldn't really move his ring finger or pinky anymore, and this was honestly a really traumatic event for a lot of us as middle schoolers, and was enough to pretty much shut down the shop class for us for the rest of the year. From then on, any one of us wanted to use the machines... We had to do it one at a time with the teacher watching us. It slowed down the projects a lot, but honestly, I get it. I guess the moral of my story is that kids can be evil to even their own family, and power tools like drill presses are not something you should play around with. Also, playing chicken with a drill press is probably one of the dumbest things you could ever do. I used to teach high school way back, and while it was mostly uneventful, there was one time where things went pretty bad, and I'll never forget what happened. I was an English teacher for freshmen, which for those that aren't used to the high school nomenclature, I was teaching 9th year students, which are kids that are around 14 or 15 years old at the most, I don't know if they use the same labels outside the US, so I figured it would be helpful to explain. Teaching kids that age meant that you are dealing with a lot of really dumb and dramatic things. These are really young kids that are doing their best to figure out what life actually is, and they're on the cusp of that adulthood transition, where things fall into place. So you can't really blame them for their mistakes or when they do something stupid. That's not to say that they are without fault, just that when they do something, it is hard to pin blame on them fully as they tend to emulate what they see outside of their own lives. They also tend to try and be cool, and they have no idea what cool actually is. This story involves two young girls that I'm going to call Katie and Kylie. These two young ladies were in the group of people that really wanted to be cool kids, but were definitely on the outside looking in, which is a common thing, and there's nothing wrong with not being in that clique. The two of them were both smart girls, but they were also beginning to hit that phase where being smart wasn't what they wanted so they started lashing out and pushing back against authority. The two of them were in my class that I had immediately after lunch, so they would be in my room right after eating. I never really had much of a problem with either of them until this situation occurred. They were both good students, and they both did their work to an acceptable degree. The day that this event happened was pretty normal, until it wasn't. We were doing the standard normal assignment that I had them do at the beginning of class when I glanced over and saw that Katie looked a bit out of it. At first, I thought maybe she was just tired or bored, but then I noticed that she looked a bit pale and like she was going to get sick. I stood up and walked over to her and asked her if she was okay. And she seemed like she wasn't really able to respond to me. She sort of glanced over but didn't really say anything. I knelt down and tried to talk to her again, but she was completely not there. Her eyes were glazed over, and she looked like she was barely breathing. At that point, I knew that something was going on with her. I told one of the other students to run next door to the health class and get the teacher because we had a medical emergency. They were a certified nurse, and I figured that they could help. I was trying to get Katie to focus and was trying to talk to her, but it was not happening. Obviously, my class was freaking out a bit, and I was panicking inside, but I didn't want to step away from her just in case she collapsed until the other teacher got into the room. After a moment, she ran in asking what was going on, I explained the situation, and she told me to call 911. I ran over and picked up the phone, and right about the time I got to the operator, Katie just fell over unconscious. There are several minutes in this situation where I really don't remember all of what happened. I remember telling the operator everything, and the other teachers starting CPR, and doing everything to keep Katie breathing and alive. But... Between that and the paramedics shoving into my room and taking her away, I don't recall much. I won't go over too much of what happened after this, because there was a lot of paperwork I had to do and a couple of meetings with the administration that I had to have that aren't really relevant, but I will explain what all actually happened. I will start by saying that Katie did survive this event, but barely. From what I've been told about this, she was teetering over the edge for most of the ambulance ride, and it took them a while to bring her back to a conscious and living state. As for how she ended up like that, we actually figured this out pretty quickly, because Kylie spoke up when the paramedics had taken Katie away, and the principal had come down to the classroom. Apparently, Katie had decided that... In order to be one of the cool kids, she and Kylie needed to do drugs. However, neither of them knew what drugs they should or could do, so she just decided to swipe a bottle of pills from the medicine cabinet. The pills in question were decently strong pain pills that her mother had from when she had broken her arm or something like that. Katie had taken them, and during the lunch break... She and Kylie went to the bathroom to take them. Kylie took one because she didn't like swallowing pills, apparently. Katie, on the other hand, had taken a handful of them. Because she, in her words, wanted to really feel it. Like I said, these were kids just trying to figure things out, and apparently neither of them had ever been told about overdosing or what happens. When they got to my class, Kylie was fine for the most part, just kind of tired. Katie, on the other hand, was getting hit by the medication really hard, and that's why she went pale. Her body was pretty much shutting down. Katie came very close to accidentally dying that day. Kylie nearly lost her best friend, and I almost lost a student because she thought it would be cool to take a handful of pills that she was ignorant about. They were able to get her stable, and she did eventually get to come back to class. Though, when she came back, she was a completely changed person. For the better, of course. I think the fact that she almost accidentally ended her own life really affected her, as it would anyone. I'm thankful that she didn't die, obviously, but I will honestly never forget that day. The look on her face, the absolute terror in Kylie's voice when she told us about the pills. So, I ask everyone out there, please make sure that your children are fully aware of the dangers of medication, and keep things like prescribed pain pills far away from your kids, if possible. I didn't lose a student that day, but if I had, it would have been the most devastating thing for not just myself but those kids, the staff, and her parents. Hey there, friends. That was today's episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast, and I really hope that you all enjoyed this collection of scary stories. If you did please do consider checking out my YouTube channel where I do these same stories, but a little bit earlier than I do them here on the podcast form, and also in slightly different collections. If you really enjoy the podcast, please do consider giving it a rating of any sort if the platform you're listening on has ratings. Any honest rating is appreciated by me, be it 5 star, 1 star, however you want to do it. Just know that rating the podcast helps tremendously. And, if you would like to support further, I do have a Patreon and channel memberships if you would like to do things on the YouTube side, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get early access to my content. Never ever expected, but always appreciated. That said, friends, I hope that I do see you on the next episode of this podcast. And, of course, until then, sleep well.